Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome, one and all, to the Man of the Post podcast. I'm Colin Sowerby, and gathered with me today are Man of the Post's three wise men. We have Adam Scott Allen of The Times, we have The Daily Mirror's Tom Lana, and Greg Kitchen of The Telegraph. Great to have you here, gentlemen. Uh, please say hello. Hello. I'll take the Telegraph. Hello. Yeah, I'm happy if with that. If you said The Daily Mirror, I was going to kick off. And I wasn't going to participate. <laughs> How have you all been this week? Uh, what, what have you guys been up to? I, I've been enjoying t- two days of unemployment. Oh. I've been doing exactly the opposite. As a student, I'm always unemployed today. How about you, Greg? What's been happening in your world? Well, as a student, I'm basically unemployed all the time, so it's just, it's just been an average week. <laughs> Tom, any highlights for you? Any highlights for me? Uh, it's hard to think of a highlight when you're stuck at work all day covering people who are sick. How many people did you get arrested this week, Tom? Oh, we only barred a few this week. Yeah. Uh, someone so- did throw up all over the stairs and all over the toilet, though, on um, Saturday night. So that meant you did couldn't you use the upstairs to clean it up, toilet. Though? So uh, everyone had to use the disabled toilet, and there's only one of them downstairs. And it was a Saturday night, so it was a bit of a queue. Did you have to clean up the sick? I didn't, know. Not a problem, then? No. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into the football, then, guys. Uh, now, on Mantle Post podcast, we usually cover the Saturday games first. But for this podcast, I'd like to break tradition and go straight to the big game this weekend, which was Liverpool versus Manchester City. And... Here's why. All top eight divisions in English football, the FA Cup and the Welsh Premier League, started their games at seven minutes past their normal start time to respect the Hillsborough tragedy. 25 years ago, in the 1989 FA Cup semi-final at Hillsborough between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest, 96 men, women, boys and girls lost their lives. That match ended at 3.06pm. There was a great sentiment at Hillsborough this weekend in Sheffield Wednesday's match versus Blackburn. Sheffield Wednesday replaced 96 blue seats with white seats bearing red roses at the end of the stadium where the fans died. 25 years on, the families of the 96 who lost their lives still continue to this day to fight for justice. I'd like to speak here on behalf of everyone at Man on the Post. It's important to remember what happened on that dreadful day. Justice for the 96. We'll now move on to Sunday's game, 
Liverpool 3, Manchester City 2. What are your thoughts? Great game. I think it lived up to everything that we wanted it to be, really. It had goals, incident. It was a typical uh, Liverpool game this season, really, wasn't it? They looked really good on the break and then they just let in goals. And also the fact that they absolutely exploded out of the blocks. Yeah. Which is, is they said has some, been a... there was some some stat like that's the twenty fourth game in a row they scored in the first half. Yeah, Jamie Carragher said that at, at half time. Yeah, um, and that's been a real um, a real feature of their play this season. I think what's enjoyable is not just looking at this game, but but if you think a couple of years back, these these top of the table affairs used to be really dour, um, very very tactical nil-nil games or what a one-nil win nil-nil hit here or there and that seems to have gone out the window recently yeah the Arsenal game that was Arsenal Man City 6-3 and this this game while it didn't have as, as many goals was just as good as not better what really impressed me was the result that Liverpool showed this afternoon after blowing a 2-0 lead and then to still go on and win it that's that is the sign of what champions do, and a lot of teams, especially against an attacking presence that Manchester City have, a lot of teams would have crumbled and gone on to lose. But I think that just shows that the character that this Liverpool side have, you know, that and that does balance out the defensive frailties that they possess as well. That's also ten games in a row that they've won now. Yeah, can't you can. Can you can't momentum, see them not it? winning. Just at the moment, that, you just can't see them not I, winning. I'm, I'm having trouble with Jose Mourinho sending a Chelsea side out there to frustrate him and coming out with a, a fluky one that would win in the title. That would it's a horrible, horrible, horrible for everyone apart from Chelsea fans. Well, the pro- the problem is that normally when you you'd expect Jose to go there, you think he would be perfect at being able to get a result. You wouldn't maybe expect him to win the game, but you would think that he would he would come away with at least a point. And he hasn't got that option. That's not enough to him. He needs to go. He needs to go out there to win because a draw is not going to going to keep Chelsea in the title race. I can see him doing what he did at City this season because uh, he set up very with quite a you know defensive game plan, but but still with. And then, you know, product of wanting to win, and that's what they did. And I, I can see that that game now is just so important. It's not as if Chelsea are in good form, though, is it? Especially away from home. When well, how, today against where ten. Does the, where does the fixture lie in the Champions League? It, it right yeah. bang in the middle of the two semi-finals. Oh, brilliant! Oh, brilliant. that is that's made me feel a little better. What I would say back to so with Liverpool having won ten games in a row, and like I said, that that is a lot of momentum. And I know that that when you have the momentum, these these things go through. But I felt that Liverpool had an awful lot of luck today. I think there's a lot of incidences you can look at and say that that they went their way and they really shouldn't have. I think that Jacko should have had a penalty in the first half. Um, Suarez probably should have got a second yellow card for diving. The, yeah. The Martin Skirtle handball. That no one appealed for. Yeah. And no, along with that, with that, that's their, their bat, 
potentially bad refereeing decisions. You also have instances such as Yaya Torre going off injured after 15 minutes. Just they're just just catching the breaks. Is that City season over? Do we think? No. No, they've, not at all. Because they've got if they win both their games in hand, they're only one point behind Liverpool, and and Liverpool, Liverpool have to play Chelsea. So yeah, and it is Liverpool. Let's not forget they've never won the Premier League. None of those players in their squad, well, apart from maybe Glenn Johnson at Chelsea, but none of them have actually won a league title. So how nervous are they going to be going to the last couple of games? I can, City do have some tough games left, though. I can't see them coming away from Goodson Park with three points. Well, and like I said about Yaya Torre being injured, he's also out for the season now. Now, that's a big blow, but also at the same time, you have to weigh that up with with what are they going to be like with getting Aguero back. So, well, they're, they're all things to consider. Overall, I think that, that, like we said, it was a great game. I thought, I can't remember the last time I've seen a game where momentum has swung quite so viciously in, in, in that first period Man City were all at sea and then <clears throat> sort of in the the sort of after about five minutes into the second half Man City came out and they were they were just devastating it looked like they could have blown Liverpool away and that at 2-2 it looked like there was only one winner and it, it didn't seem to be Liverpool at that point but but they managed to wrestle momentum back and the game got quite stretched and there was a lot of times then when you fought on the counter-attack, you, you'd see them getting getting something. We did touch on Chelsea and whether they were still up for the fight. Um, so let's move on to Sunday's evening match, which was Swansea nil, Chelsea won. Chelsea, what a load of rubbish this was. So boring. Chelsea got the I'm th- so pleased I watched 90 minutes of this instead of Hull 5 whatever it was. Chelsea got the the three points and that puts uh, Chelsea on 75, just behind Liverpool on 77. They're still in there. The biggest takeaway from this game was that I thought that on, on, he seemed to get a lot of stick on, tw- on Twitter, Phil Dowd, for his, his decision-making in, in sending off Chico Flores because he took a long time to make his decision. But what you did see was the complete opposite of what Mark Clattenburg showed us in the earlier game where he actually, from, from my mind, bottled the decision to send Suarez off and decided not to give him what would have been a clear yellow card if he hadn't already been booked. Now, Phil Dow didn't... He took a long time to get there, but he still decided that it might have only been 15 minutes gone, but the first offence was a yellow card and, and he thought this one was a yellow card as well. And for that, he was going to send Chico Flores off. And I think you have to... Judging by his results, don't you? Not his methods. It might have taken him a good twenty odd seconds to to make the decision, but he made the right decision in the end. Yeah, I I, I don't think I've ever stuck up for Phil Dowd before, but it was definitely the right decision. Why should it make a difference if you commit a foul a minute after getting a yellow card, then saying half an hour after? It'll be the same tackle, the same. It should be the same outcome. It's like when players don't get booked for a bad tackle inside the first five minutes because, oh no, it's only the first five minutes and the same tackle would get booked if it was the 80th minute. Well, it's, yeah, it's that's, another thing that, that's another thing that happened in the Liverpool game again with Suarez. He did stick one on... Um, on I think Demichelis. It was, was it Demichelis? It was Demichelis, yeah. Uh, in about five, six minutes gone and Kattenberg yeah. decided to, to manage the situation. 
But yeah, I don't, I don't know about you guys. I've got, I've got nothing more to say about the Chelsea game other than that. Like, it was dull. I felt a bit sorry for the fourth official in that semi-off incident. Who was getting? Who started off getting bollocks by Mourinho about how it should have been a red card, and then the decision was made. He then copped the entire Swansea bench. <laughs> I said for I've been saying for the last few months, Swansea are in real trouble, and they 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 are. Even they've though they've got, got, a, they've got a really nice run of fixtures, but they're playing teams around them, and if they lose to the teams around them, they're going to end up going down. You have to assume that Sunderland and uh, Cardiff are, are done for. Would you write think, off Cardiff, even though I they're three, only three points off? I'd write, off Card- I'd write off Cardiff because I think they're awful. They're um, awful, but they just won away at Southampton. I, I still think they're awful. I'm not I denying think, that. I think, <laughs> I think that's a Sunderland's running result. is pretty appalling as well. I just, it's, uh, just those, it's just those game in hand. As soon as those games in hand are gone. Yeah, but get... if, you think their game, if they win both their games in hand, Sunderland, well, they're, away they're at Man still City. in the relegation zone and they've got to play City and Liverpool. Is it Liverpool? One of their games in hand is City. Yeah, it's, yeah. that's on Wednesday night. And then Chelsea after as well. And then Chelsea oh, okay. yeah, this weekend. <laughs> so they'll be done that by this time, pod, this podcast next week, they could be down. Well, they will be down probably. I mean, not mathematically, but yeah. I think the fact that there's a couple of even, there's a couple of really bad teams are going to save the likes of Swansea and and maybe teams like Villa who haven't really kicked on in this second half part of the season. Well, well, let's move on then to Saturday's games. And since we're talking about relegation, the the game that stands out to me is Fulham one Norwich nil. How much trouble? How much? I called this, didn't I? I'll just you just did. Put this. Yeah. Do you know how? Do you know how it's easy to call Fulham winning though, Tom? If you do it for three weeks in a row. Yeah. And they do it. They did it two weeks in a row. <laughs> but I've called for. I've said for even when Fulham were right down at the bottom, like everyone's saying they're relegated. I said they'd stay up, and I think they. I still think they will. And Norwich, Norwich are down now, aren't they? They're not going to get any more points. Well, I, I think if I was a Norwich. I think there's some cause for optimism because how they didn't get at least a point out of that game, I'll never know. They really it did look pretty one-sided from the highlights. And I think it's not done and dusted down there. If you know Norwich can take the impetus, the little bit of impetus that they got from Saturday into one of their home games, then you might see them springing a surprise because they did, their, their problem all season has been lack of attacking threat and they did look pretty good going forward on Saturday. They just came up against David Stockdale having his one good afternoon of the season. I thought that I th- I I agree with with Tom in in places though. I think I don't think that that Fulham will be that team that will go down if even if Norwich do survive. I think uh, McGaff's got them got them organised. Got he's he's got he's getting something out of that squad now. And look at their, have you seen their fixtures? They've got a similar run into Swansea, a nice, nice tidy little run in. And they've got, they're away to Tottenham, so maybe not expect to get anything out about after that. But they've, then they've got Hull, Stoke, and Palace. Three teams that'll have nothing to play for. Good point. And as for Fulham, 
That that goal came from Hugo Rodriguez. Where's he been for so long? It's just like, oh, all of a sudden, oh yeah, he's still there. <laughs> and he gets him for three points. I mean, it does look like Felix McGat is doing a pretty good job there. It's all in the glasses. <laughs> Cardboard glasses. I think I think I saw a stat that said that he's got as many as many points in I think it's maybe thirteen games as um Mühlenstein got and Joel got in twelve and thirteen together between them. Well since we're talking Fulham Norwich we'll we'll move on shortly, but obviously we've had a bad result uh for Norwich, but do I just want to go across everybody on the podcast here. Do you think it was the correct decision to get rid of Chris Hewton when Norwich did? Yes or no? Definitely not for me. No, I don't think so. Adam, your thoughts? Uh, No, I don't either because I I don't know what you think you're going to get from from a youth team coach just before what is a real do or die game. Especially considering the other four games, that was the only really winnable game, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Uh, well, and probably the only one they had to win. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on. I mean, we're we're talking about teams at the bottom. Um, West Brom, uh, flying high, three 0 up against Spurs. Um, that probably should have surely secured their safety uh, had that result come in, but no. Uh, Tottenham fought back to make it a, a three-all draw. Pepe Mel draw specialist. Pepe meltdown. If West That's Brom draw goes from the jaws of victory every week. If West Brom go down, they've got only themselves to blame. That's two home games in a row. They've drawn three-all, and conceding last-minute equalisers. I like, I like now, though, that Pepe Mel has decided to find new ways to get draws because it used to be that his his go-to scheme was to, to go 1-0 down in the first half, probably probably showing that he's probably probably tactically quite a good manager. He'd he managed to sort things out, have a sort things out with his players at half-time. They come out and they get the equaliser. Everyone would finish 1-0. Everyone would, 1-0, sorry, everyone would be happy. But he's, he's had enough of that. Now he's going for dramatic free freeze. We'll take three nil leads. We'll piss it up the wall. He's showing the other side to his skills now by showing that he can get it right at the start, as well as being able to turn it around at <laughs> half time. If I, if he could put it, them two things together, there'd be no stopping him. Yeah, they'd win six nil every game, three nil each half. Well, from one team at the bottom to another. I mean, we we touched on it earlier, Cardiff. Southampton nil Cardiff one. Does this give Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a, a glimmer of hope? Can they do it? And I think it will be the hope that kills Solskjaer in this case. For him, I... he was he would have been better off losing this weekend because now he's got another week thinking he might be able to do it. But <laughs> in all reality, even that to be fair, they've still, got to play, they've still got to play Sunderland, so they've got yeah. a lot to thank Marshall for. I, can, I can't see him saying that. Well, let's move on then to another team that was at the bottom, but have managed to claw their way out, and that is Crystal Palace, who beat Aston Villa 1-0. I'm not being funny, but I mean, I am not at all Tony Pulis' biggest fan. But he's done a tremendous job there, hasn't he? No, I, 
I completely agree with you. And I also say that I, not only I not <clears throat> am I not his biggest fan, I also thought that um, that hiring him was a bit of a stupid move because I thought he was a a one trick pony who who needed to have his his type of players around him, and he's shown that while maybe the style might not be a million miles away from from some of the stuff he was producing at Stoke, he has shown that he's he's a pretty decent coach and he's he's able to work with with different types of players. He's also never been relegated as a manager, has he? That's, no, that's going to change this year. Him and Big Sam and Everton Football Club. We can all say that. <laughs> OK, well, let's move on to our next game then. Um, what's happened to Newcastle? Stoke won Newcastle nil. Newcastle seem to have given up. Did, did either of, did any of you guys see the um, the the back page that the Sun on Sunday did in their their local Newcastle edition? Was that the sorry to pardon you thing? Yeah, yeah, that was brilliant. Did you see it, Colin? Yeah, I've seen I've seen some of the uh, excuses in there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, for anyone who didn't see it, the back, the the headline reads "We're sorry." And then the sub-headline reads, As Pardew blames the local press for fans' anger after disastrous form in 2014, your Sunday son would like to apologise for losing 3-0 to Sunderland, 4-0 to Manchester United, 4-0 to Southampton, 4-0 to Spurs, 3-0 to Chelsea, 3-0 to Everton, 2-0 to Manchester City, 1-0 to Fulham, 1-0 to Stoke, 1-0 to West Brom and 2-1 to Cardiff. Oh, and for headbutting David Myler too. Um, I just think that I think that fans fans are morons. Me and Tom have both said many times on this show. Yeah. And Newcastle fans need to look at what side they're bread's buttered on because they have a negative net spend. They're not spending any money. They um, and this is a team that let's not forget was pro- only got promoted back to the Premier League. Was it three or four years ago? And they're sitting in a very comfortable mid-table position right now. Now, I think I think Pardew's gone because he's. I don't I don't think that you can lose the fans to the extent that he's done, and and keep your job beyond the summer. But Newcastle fans get whatever they deserve from this. Don't get me wrong. I think Pardew's a complete and utter clown, but I do think they just need a bit of a you know your mid-table in the Premiership. If you any higher, and then you're going to see the the difficulties that a Europa League campaign has with it, and you're nowhere near relegation. So, uh, well, last time they got a, last time they, Newcastle themselves got a Europa League um, run and nearly um, relegated them. Exactly, and I think they should. I can see their frustration with Pardew because he is a bit of a moron, but you know, I think that's all they can complain about. I think. Just, just a bit of perspective would be nice. Well, well, let's move on to our final game. Uh, sorry to keep to the end, Adam, but uh, doesn't matter. It's three points, and a very important three points. Sunderland nil, Everton won. I, I watched, I watched this whole game, and it's, it's worth keeping to the end. It was, oh, it wasn't the best. Seven in a row, though. Yeah, <laughs> it, this was, a, this was a, one of those. Um, Winning ugly kind of games. So um, 
yeah, a great, a great result keeps, keeps everything alive, and um, just, uh, it was a good another good performance by the by the by the team, but it definitely wasn't wasn't even the best or the most clinical. Um, we we lived a little bit dangerously a couple of times, a couple of a couple of dangerous clearances, and but we probably should have finished some more. Delafeu probably could have scored. Um, Naismith definitely should have scored early on in the first half. But like you said, we just just keep on going. Crystal Palace midweek, which is our game in hand, that that should hopefully keep us in fourth place after we after Arsenal play West Ham, and we'll see where we go from there. What I didn't realise when I was looking at the table earlier is that if, assuming Everton win their game in hand, they're only eight points off the top of the league. I'm not saying they're going to win the league, but that's pretty good to keep up with the with the top contenders to only be eight points off with four games to go. Well, yeah, like when you said it like that, with 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 so few games to go and it's still being mathematically possible. And only it's, losing five games all season, second best defensive record. I think it's something like fourteen clean sheets as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit well, and also the one thing I I, I was very pro Martinez, and, and not all Everton fans were. Um, I think most of them are now, but not all of them were. And you find a, a lot of them on on Twitter who were who will honestly hold their hands up and say that they weren't at the time, but. One of the things that I was worried about was what we were going to be like defensively, and he's um, all of those those worries have gone for me now. And also, I did fit, I, my, the one thing I had that reassured me was I did think, well, we've got a very good good back four. It's very it's settled with Jagielka and Distan, but we've had injuries, and John Stones has slotted in and just shown that he's some player, and we're still keeping these clean sheets with John Stones there. Which is, again, reassuring and also promising for the future. Okay, well, with that, I think we've pretty much wrapped up the the Premier League action. So, let's spend a, a few moments on the Championship. There were a couple of standout results. Um, first one that stands out is obviously QPR battering Nottingham Forest five two. Nottingham Forest's misery goes from. Well, it goes from one thing to another. Um, since we lost Billy Davies, uh, I mean they they were remember in the uh, in the playoff positions. They're now in eleventh place. Uh, they can't seem to buy a win. Stuart Pearce obviously waiting in the offing uh, for the start of next season. But a good result for uh, QPR uh, that keeps them safe in the playoff positions. And and also um, a shout out to uh, our friend James Belfontaine. Uh, Millwall uh, getting a, an equaliser in the fifth minute of injury time against it's Watford. It's almost as though uh, Almunia had a quid on a draw in that game. Because if you watch the guy, it is 95th minute, just a, a tame shot on goal, and he's just endeavoured to throw it into the get into the goal. <laughs> Brilliant. It, it also sounds like he deserved it. In all fairness. It all seemed to go Millwall's way. Uh, Yeovil got a draw. Barnsley were beaten. Blackpool just above them. Uh, Blackpool and Charlton just above them were beaten. Uh, Blackpool beaten by Leeds United, my team. Um, they must be bad. Well, <laughs> yeah, two goals from Luke Murphy got uh, Leeds on to, to winning ways. 
Um, I don't think there's too much more to say about the championship. Just a little an aside on uh, on Leeds United because uh, again, it's all off the field antics where currently West Yorkshire Police are investigating the uh, apparent security cameras that were put in place in the boardroom and the toilets at Ellen Road, um, which apparently was spent... Well, the, the money that was spent on those was, was Leeds United Football Club's money. Um, so there's a, an argument there for fraud and uh, the police were involved. So, yes, uh, spy cameras in... The boardroom and toilets at Ellen Road. Maybe there's just someone just has a weird fetish in at least, like seeing people pissing. I I don't know. I mean, as soon as it was announced, it was broke on the Daily Mail, and uh, on Friday afternoon, and two hours later, the managing director David Hay, who was planned to become the chief exec of Leeds United, resigned. So, but does he still follow you on Twitter? Yeah, well, That's yeah, the important he, thing. He, he's my most high-profile follower on Twitter. Um, I did have a little Twitter conversation with him many, many months ago, if if not over a year ago. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not giving up on him. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I've not unfollowed him, and he still follows me. Do we want to chat about anything League One? Well, we've uh, won the league, haven't they? That was always coming there, wasn't it? It was just a matter of time. Well, to be fair, I mean, it was a big job, wasn't it? Um, and they got the ex-Millwall guy, didn't they? Jacket's done a fantastic job there. Kenny Jacket, because thank you. His, he, his name escaped me. Thank you. You bailed me out there. He's um, united, because after two relegations and two seasons, I can't imagine Molly Lee was a particularly happy place and I think team supporters management had all become a bit uh, you know they, they weren't getting on but I think he's united the club uh, in you know good time and he's done a good job and you were you know you wouldn't put past them going on next season in the championship and having a, another good season well with that said why don't we move on to League 2 let's have a, a Portsmouth update how are things going with uh, Andy Orford? They've got nothing to moan about for once. We, they are going brilliant. Three games in charge, three wins, and yesterday's was the most comprehensive of the lot. He's making Richie Barker look like an absolute mong. The um, after the after Richie Barker's last game away at Rochdale after a abysmal 3-0 defeat he said that you can change the manager but it will still be the same players and the results will still be the same the next day he was sacked and since we've won three two away from home and you know playing so yesterday was one of the best performances I've seen in a in a good couple of years well thankfully it's giving you a little bit of breathing space isn't it away from the yeah, relegation the, zone now it's only yeah, 11 points off point. playoffs now yeah, only five points off the um, the bottom two because Northampton keep winning. But we're up to 16th and there are a lot of teams now looking over their shoulder. I said a couple of weeks ago that, you know, teams up in, the, I think it was Hartlepool at the time, were 11th on 49 points. They should still be looking over their shoulder. And they, they have lost every game since. And now, you know, there's teams like Hartlepool, Newport are really in the mix and it could be any one of six or seven go down well Greg Tom I mean it's it's very tight at the top in the top three positions 
for promotion. And so, I mean, you've got Scunthorpe on 76, Rochdale on 75, and Chesterfield on 74, all with a similar goal difference. I'd like to get your thoughts on who you think are going to get promoted out of those three. Well, they all go up, all of them. Four teams go up, Colin. Of course they're doing that league, don't they? Yes. And then one of the playoffs. Who, who will be the champion, though? Scunthorpe. Uh, they haven't well, lost a game since about 2004. Scunthorpe draw a lot of games. A lot. They've drawn the most in the top five divisions, I think, in, in England. Um, but they don't lose. I think it'd be nice to see Chesterfield win the league because they, they play the nicest football out of the lot. But I don't, if Rochdale win the league, that's that's bad because we beat them 3-0. And that was when we were bad. Yeah, I think they're they're all they're all up. And from the playoffs, I think that there are some terrible teams in the playoffs as well. I think out of, out of all all four in the playoffs, I'd look at Fleetwood as being the side to. Unless York end up getting in there. Did Luton get promoted this week as well? They got promoted ages ago, didn't they? No, I don't maybe think they. No. Did. No. Maybe it was just finalised this week. To the. Um, the uh the, in back into league football. Oh no, they did. They lost at home to Braintree, so it's been put off for another week. Oh dear! I thought Braintree was a race course. That's, <laughs> that's Aintree. Yeah. Every day's a school day. The Braintree Grand National. And now let's cover the action from the most important competition in the world. It's the FA Cup. It's the most important cup to us, um, definitely. So let's jump straight into the first match, which is on Saturday, the semi-final between Wigan Athletic and Arsenal. One all after 90 minutes, but Arsenal went through uh, after winning 4-2 on penalties. Um, when when Arsenal played Everton last weekend, I watched the game with my Arsenal supporting friend, and we were comparing our run-ins. And um, I picked up the fixtures for for Arsenal from the um, Arsenal official website, which um, already at this point had the final penciled in on their fixture list. <laughs> Presumptuous. Oh really? Yeah. Mm. Just, they did... were right though. <laughs> just they're just disrespecting Wigan though, aren't they? And, and clubs do that at their peril. And well, when Arsenal needed it at their peril, I've, but they you, they were right, but they were shambolic, weren't they? Well, I was at work, so I was trying to watch it whilst people were ordering their ruddles and stuff. But <laughs> yeah, it was annoying because I was just about to like stand and watch the penalty shootout. Then a guy came to the bar with a massive order. I was like, ah, oh. that 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 motorcycle header, as I, as I, I mentioned a, a little bit earlier, was. It was brilliant. I thought the way he that as that ball came to him that he he managed to to cushion it so it went it went towards the far post and didn't go back across the goal. So um, Scott Carson had absolutely no chance. Just 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 once once it went to once it went to a penalty shootout. As much as people will talk about penalty shootouts being a lottery, but they're really not. And not. a Premier League team should always be beating a champion a championship team in the, in a penalty shootout and. They were, there was never really any doubt in it, was there? Wigan only managed to score one of their penalties, I think. So, Well, with that said, let's move on to Sunday's FA Cup game. Goals alive. Hull 5, Sheffield United 3. A thriller. 
Hull guaranteed their place in the final at Wembley against Arsenal. Steve Bruce masks everywhere. Exactly. £1.50, all money goes to charity. Everyone I did, hear, I, I did hear a rumour that one of the Sheffield United fans was wearing a Ched Evans mask in the crowd. Yes, I saw the that. Rapist Ched Evans. That's nice. We have to go with just a rumour though. Yeah. But I did also hear the same same story. So Hull have won the FA Cup then as Arsenal can't win trophies. <laughs> Well, it, it does bring an important point. I mean, how important is it for Arsene Wenger to, to win this trophy? I mean, if he doesn't win this trophy, do you think that maybe he will walk? I think he should have gone anyway. I think he'll go anyway. Even if he wins it? Yeah. yeah. I kind of hope so, for Arsenal's sake. I mean, Arsenal fans, they... They they back him so much and they they love Arsene Wenger but they they they're not like winning stuff. They no, haven't won anything for ages. I think the Wenger out sentiment is beginning to grow and increase amongst the Arsenal ranks. I think it's I think they're all thankful for what he did, but I think he's, that most he's of too the stubborn just to walk out that. though, isn't he? He's too stubborn. Well, I wouldn't say it's he's too stubborn. I think he. If it, you know, three two months ago, then we were looking at a, an Arsenal side that could have you know won the league, but their forms dipped. And I still, if I don't think stubbornness is, comes into it, I think he's. I just, I just think he backs himself. He I think that's yeah. exactly it. He still thinks that he can do it, and that does, maybe that does, isn't his decision to be to be made anymore. But I actually think that you could see a lot. Of good could come from from this Arsenal team if they had the right manager in charge. I think if they, I, I think, think Veng- yeah, I, I think, think I don't Wenger think they can a, compete until they have a a different manager. I think Wenger is um, I think Wenger w- w- was a brilliant manager who was who revolutionised the the British game and um, but I think that if you put here if you look at how he performs in well in any game one from the other it's the same he doesn't. He doesn't prepare his team tactically for games. He just he has a an overall tactical philosophy, and I think that if you put in a manager there who could do something different, who would if you if you look at just the the things that Roberto Martinez did to him tactically in in the game last week, he was just completely outcoached. And I think that if you ha- if you look at the stuff that Martinez is doing and Rogers is doing, if they could get a coach like that in there in this Arsenal t- team, I think that a lot could be achieved. I don't think that you have a similar situation to to the, the Ferguson era at Manchester United because I actually think that Wenger's leaving a squad that's in quite a good position, a very young squad, a talented squad that is probably only a couple of pieces away from being able to compete. And I think one of those pieces is a, a tactically adept manager. I think if you put Jurgen Klopp in there or, or someone of that ilk, you're looking at a team that could compete for the title next season. I'd like to see Klopp move to, over to London. I think It'd be good for the Premier League, wouldn't it? It would be. And I think well, he's not... Dortmund, you know, they're threatening to stagnate slightly. Well, losing I think all their, the thing is their that he... It's exactly it. He's, Klopp must be getting sick of being gutted absolutely every every year. 
the the question is whether whether go moving to Arsenal because you you keep getting gutted of your best players is the place to go. Okay, anything more to say on that? Yeah, well, I don't, the, the the last thing I'd say was just we we make fun of the masks, but Steve Bruce is it hurts me to say this has done a great job, hasn't he? Yeah, an FA Cup final and uh, Premier League uh, safety, Premier Almost League safety, guaranteed. yeah, is is a great achievement for for the, for Hull really for a man that looks like a potato. <laughs> so man on the post, kudos there to Steve Bruce. We'll all be buying masks. Bruce, I reckon Bruce for Bruce for England. Um, Bruce for Arsenal. <laughs> that would be something, wouldn't it? That would be brilliant. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Crikey. He would be able to believe his luck. What he was like on the first day of the Premiership season, where he, he just looked on the touchline and like Jose Mourinho was there. He, he couldn't stop smiling. Much if he gets to turn <laughs> up the Emirates every day for work. He'd be that happiest potato in London. Do you think he'd just spend every day just sort of like taking his... um? taking his office apart assuming that there's some sort of hidden cameras in there and this is all going to be a TV show he's going to be on Anton Deck's Saturday Night Takeaway so that there was a there was a camera in the framed Steve Bruce mask all along <laughs> well that's why he hasn't taken the Leeds job exactly <laughs> well I think that pretty much rounds up the Premier League and the Football League action so let us move on now to betting corner we had one winner uh, in the previous podcast. That was Greg. You had a you had a thirty pound win. Thank you, whoever whoever put on that bet for me. I think I it, appreciate. I think it, it might have been Joe. Joe. He's now fired. <laughs> so as the table currently stands, uh, Tom, you are on minus two hundred and thirty pounds. Adam minus one hundred and eighty. Greg, you're now on minus 41. Ross is on minus 37. And uh, I, Colin, am on 21 pounds. Okay, so let's start from the bottom. Um, Tom, do you have a bet for us today? I do. I've, I've kind of given up this year. So <laughs> I said I was going to pick defenders to score first for the rest of the season. And so I've gone in the Arsenal midweek game. Per Mertesacker to score first at 22 to 1. So it'll be 230 return. The BFG, Per Mertesacker. Okay, so let's move on to Adam. Yep, um, there's not a lot out there. I'm going to go for uh, Bournemouth to beat Sheffield Wednesday, Everton to beat Crystal Palace, and Atletico Bilbao to beat Malaga and... My £10 returns £34.93. OK, thanks, Adam. Greg, you're next on minus 41. Uh, I've gone for four games spread over the week. I've got, uh, on Tuesday night, I've got Arsenal to beat West Ham. On Wednesday night, I've got Everton to beat Crystal Palace. And on Friday, I've got Chesterfield to beat Exeter and Sheffield United to beat Stevenage. And that returns £52. Okay, next is Ross. Ross isn't with us today. Um, and normally we always give people who aren't on the podcast terrible bets. But Ross has been rather sneaky. And before we could arrange a terrible bet, he's actually got a decent bet in. So we're going to give him it. 
I mean, also, if we could give, we could put a, a terrible bet in now. And... I reckon we could split that five, that ten pounds into two five pound bets. I think he that can't get away with it. This, this bit just gets thing. edited out, and his voice just dubs over the bet being put in. So I, I feel like we can't win here. Exactly. So I will, I will be uh, Ross on this occasion, and he has gone for four games. He's gone for Manchester City to uh, beat Sunderland, Everton to beat Palace, Blackburn Rovers to beat Yeovil, and Sheffield United to beat Stevenage. Ross's £10 returns £44. I reckon we should throw a, a West Ham away win at Arsenal in there. As well. <laughs> well, last but not least, let's move on to my bet. I... I lost because um, I, I sort of just put a bet on Arsenal to beat West uh, on uh, Arsenal to beat Wigan in the FA Cup, but it was in 90 minutes, not not in extra time, so it doesn't count. But hey ho, um, I've gone for just one bet, quite simple. Uh, Andy Carroll to score any time uh, in the Arsenal versus West Ham game. It's uh, 11 to four, uh, so 10 pounds returns 37 pounds 50. I'm really annoyed they didn't have the um, goal scorer bets up for next weekend yet because Liverpool playing Norwich and Suarez always scores a hat-trick against Norwich. So that would have been my bet. Mm. And if he does, I'm going to feel robbed. So we bring the Man on the Post podcast to a close. Just a quick shout-out to say if you do enjoy what we do, then a five-star review on iTunes would be absolutely lovely. Uh, Ross wasn't with us this week, but uh, he should be back with us shortly. I'd just like to say goodbye to all of the team. Um, I'd just like to say goodbye to Adam. See you later. To Greg. Bye. To Tom. Yeah. I'll let you all go back to your newspapers. And uh, always remember to keep your man on the post. If you think having a child's going to be stressful, try editing this podcast. <laughs> Come to South End only if Russell Watson's in town, oh. <laughs> and you can get a seat at the blackjack table. Even better. They have live acts as well. Yeah, lovely. You're making it sound a little bit like Vegas now, Colin. It's like Vegas by the sea. Don't a little giggle in the background. Right. Ready. <laughs> <laughs> right, ready. <laughs>